What is self-examination? We're going to visit that today. Let's look at the portion of Scripture from Corinthians that I was just talking about. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after the supper and saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, he will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Here we go. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. I was in the church, well, I was in the church beginning in 1977. We celebrated communion once a month. And during that time, celebrating communion, there was a lot of shedding of tears and there was a lot of crying because we did not want to eat. We did not want to partake in the communion in an unworthy manner. So we examined ourselves. We examined ourselves to find all the wickedness that was in us. We examined ourselves to find all the sin that was in us. We we examined ourselves to find all the horrible things that, that we knew were true about us, about ourselves. And then after that, I don't know about you, but I would like, and Lord, I'm, I'm sure there's things I've forgotten. You know, and I don't want those things that I've forgotten, you know, to make me take this and celebrate this in, a, in an unworthy manner. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. There were times I took communion and, and like, was hoping that God would remember this certain one <laughs> or would overlook the certain ones. But I always used to dive in. And, and man, you know what? You want to find ugliness in yourself? I'm telling you right now, you probably could. You probably could if you worked at it. You probably could. It probably took enough time. You could probably, you probably can find out all those times you honked your horn when somebody passed you, you know, whatever, and you told him he was number one. <laughs> you know, if you search long and hard enough, you could probably find a time where you raised your voice to your husband. 
I didn't say raise your voice to your wife. <laughs> you know? Bang the table. You know? Threw something. Not me. I'm talking about you. <laughs> you know, if we can search deep enough. I think I might have lied once or twice. I mean, oh. you, you know what? You can find it. But God told me your sins and iniquities, I remember no more. So if he's not going to remember them, neither am I. So what is this talking about? We're going to put this to, we're going to, put this to, 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 to bed to rest right now, today. I love. It's what the mirror, the mirror trans. Uh, oh no, no. We're, before we go there, oh no, we're going to mirror, mirror. Verse twenty nine, where it says, "Let a man examine himself." I love the mirror translation. Now, I got to step out of the camera, and I got to step away from this because there's some things I don't want people to hear. care what he was going to tell me, but I knew it. I knew it because his message of grace is slightly different than anybody else's. And everybody in the school wanted to know who it was, but I can't tell you who it is. All I can tell you is the Lord just keeps giving me confirmation. He's giving me confirmation. He keeps giving me confirmation. So, this is what it says in Mirror, verse 29. It says, anyone who partakes of this meal in an indifferent manner either because of religious sentiment or merely, merely being blasé about the meaning of the meal, eats and drinks judgment upon himself. The human body of Jesus represents the judgment of every single human life. To fail to acknowledge this is to deliberately exclude yourself from the blessing of the new covenant. Let's look at what Jesus said. In John chapter 6, verse 53 to 59. Whew. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, 
you have no life in you. Remember this portion of scripture where it says many walked away? Many walked away? I thought he was talking about cannibalism. <laughs> right? Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, here we go, he's explaining it, abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught. Now verse 56 from the Mirror Study Bible, it says this. The eating of my flesh and the drinking of my blood is the celebration. And this is what Paul, this is what Jesus is saying. You abide in me and I abide in you. The eating of my flesh and the drinking of my blood is the celebration of our seamless union. You and me and I in you. Because you won't find you until you find me. Verse 57. As the living Father has sent me and also sustains me, so I will sustain the one who partakes of me. I live through my Father. Just like my daily food sustains me, so his life permanently resides in me. Now you may also continually and habitually feast on me as you live through me. Examination for Jesus and examination for Paul meant only one thing. And guess what? I told you many times the scripture will confirm itself if you allow it to. Paul will confirm himself. He'll confirm what Jesus said. He'll confirm what he said as you keep searching in the scriptures. And in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, look at what Paul says. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith or not. And what faith is he talking about? Jesus Christ for righteousness. Examine yourself to see if you're in that faith or not. Where Jesus Christ is your righteousness. Paul is tremendously consistent. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. See, if you don't know Jesus Christ is in you, if you don't know you're in Christ, you know, if you're not examining the fact that you're in the faith, which means you're in Christ, which means you're of his righteousness, that disqualifies you. It is right here in the word of God, confirmed by Paul. Verse 13, 5 from the Mirror Study Bible says, I implore you to examine faith for yourselves in order to test what is that you really believe. Faith is so much more than the mere veneer of a superstitious belief in an historic Christ. Faith is about realizing Jesus Christ in you in the midst of contradiction. 
Just as ore is placed into a crucible where the dross is separated from the gold in a furnace, come to the conclusion for yourselves of his indwelling. Should it appear to you that he is absent in your life, look again. You have obviously, obviously done the, the test wrong. Now, when it talks about examine yourself, test yourselves, right? The New King James and the King James Version, that is talking about what Francis brings out about the crucible, crucible where you put the ore in. What is that for? And when it's heated up, what is it for? It's to, it's to remove the, the dross and expose the gold. Expose the gold. He uses the word dokematsu as in the testing of metals. Self-examination has nothing to do with finding hidden sins and flaws in you. It is all about realizing Christ in you. The object of the furnace is not to reveal the dross. The, at, the object of examination is not to reveal the sin. It's not to reveal the dross. It's not to reveal the mistakes. It's not to re re reveal the errors. It's not to reveal the inconsistencies. It's not to, it's not to reveal you know, uh, your ugliness. It's not to reveal the dross, but it's to reveal the gold. You examine yourself to see that you're in Christ, that Christ is in you, that you're abiding with him, that you're one with him. That's what communion is all about and signifies. And as you do, you understand there's no dross. There's only gold. That's true examination. Does that excite you? Huh? Did you hear that for 30 years or 20 years or how many years you were there? Huh? Man. Hallelujah. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. That's why we sang all the songs about the new creation and the newness of life. So, in beginning this new year, as we examine ourselves to see the gold, to see Christ, I pray we all find that through the new birth and our true self-examination, three things. Number one, I, you, we, are as righteous as God is. You can stand in his presence without any feelings of guilt, shame, condemnation, and I'm adding another one to it that's really important, or inferiority. Inferiority. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old order is gone. Behold, all things are fresh and new. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. For as many as received him, God gave the power, the right, the ability to be his son. 
for those that believed in his name, who were born not of, not of, not of flesh or a man or of the will of man, but who were born of God. Oh, my gosh. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, for now, for now, because we are one, because we are righteous with his righteousness, we are accepted in the beloved. These are beautiful verses. Mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. Even while we were sinners. Mm-hmm. Wait a second, you mean I didn't have to clean myself up? I didn't have to go take a shower first? You remember the prodigal son? The father didn't say, go get cleaned. Go, go change. Go take a shower. Don't, what are you doing? No, the father ran to him <laughs> with his matted hair and his smelly hair, right? And his feet caked with mud and dirt and his clothes that probably hadn't been washed in who knows how long and the filth and the muck and the mire being with the pigs and being with the slop. And he ran to him. And in that condition, even while we were yet sinners, God the Father co-quickened us with Christ and raised us up with him to be seated with him at his right hand. You can't sit there unless you're righteous with his righteousness or holy with his holiness. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 and 17. I don't have that memorized, I'm sorry. (laughs) But you know what? I have the Bible right here and I can look it up real quick. quick. Romans chapter 8, and I know what it's going to say. What is it? Verses 15 through 17. I hope you're writing these verses down. Verses 15 through 17. Ah. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Wow. Wow. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Abba, Father. Romans 3, Romans 3, 22 and 26, a beautiful portion of scripture, but all religious people are familiar with is verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24 says, but all now have been freely justified by faith in Jesus Christ. And verse 26, if you don't know it, you should know it. God, in being just, is God just? He's just. He's holy. And it says, he's just. And because he's just, he's able to say, you are just because you have faith in my son, Jesus Christ. The just and holy God is just in calling us just. Wow. What does that mean? If God himself was to call us unrighteous, he wouldn't be just. He wouldn't be a just God. But he is a just God because he provided the sacrifice. He provided the offering. He provided Jesus, whose blood was better than the blood of bulls and of goats, who couldn't take away, could only cover it. But his blood, once and for all, Forever, for good, took it away. And now, because he's just God, 
And because of that act of judge justice, he is now just and only just when he calls us righteous. What, what, what do they do with these verses? Linda, I don't know. And they tell me I'm crazy. And they tell me I'm preaching a false gospel. And they tell people to stay away from me or more people would be coming here. And they're listening to people telling them that they're still sinners, that they're still unrighteous, that they're still falling short of the glory of God. Even when God says, I've called you, I've justified you, and I've glorified you. I don't get it. They're keeping people in sin. They're keeping people down. Keep telling them, you're nothing but a sinner's. Go to McDonald's. <laughs> I'll eat a. It just had on the menu the, uh, the, the 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 spare rib sandwich without the bones, the McRib. Yeah. I love the McRib. Oh my gosh! I like to buy a hundred of them, put them in the freezer, and save them because I know it's all artificial, you know, mechanical. I know it, but it's so good. Oh man! But it doesn't make me a. a it doesn't make me. A McDonald's, it doesn't make me a, it doesn't make me a rib, you know? These people, don't you understand, because you, you might sin, that's not what makes you a sinner. You know, the same people that, that you know what, if you go and do a righteous act, a righteous deed, wow, hmm, wow, look what he's, doesn't make you righteous. Well, never. <clears throat> Got to get it right. So number one, Number one, as you examine yourself, you are as righteous as God is. You can stand in his presence without feelings of guilt, shame, condemnation, or inferiority. As you examine yourself, and the dross is, flows away because all you see is the gold. All you see is Jesus. Come to the mirror, see Jesus. And you see yourself. Number two, we, you, I, am as well equipped as Jesus is. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Here's love perfected. I always, I have boldness to stand before the Father. Why? Because as Jesus is, so am I in this world. Mm -hmm. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells right here. Mm -hmm. Philemon, verse 6. That the communication of my faith becomes effective and effective and more effective and more effective as I acknowledge every good thing that is in me in Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19 through 22. Again, I don't have that memorized. I just stumbled across it the other day, and I should have it memorized. But it talks about how God makes all grace abound to us. And we see that in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, where it says, for those who receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will rule and reign. So number two, we are as well equipped as Jesus was and is. Number three, this is the most important one. This is the most important one. Number three, no child of God is better positioned before God than any other. 
Benny Hinn doesn't have anything special on you. I'm sorry, he doesn't. Kenneth Copeland doesn't have anything special on me. Neither does Andrew. You know, it's because, go back to number one, as righteous as God is, you can stand in his presence without feelings of guilt, shame, condemnation, or inferiority. If you have feelings of those types of inferiority, check out your righteousness. Check out number one. Number three, no child is better positioned before God than any other. Righteousness is on the grounds of faith. You do not, nor can you, ever work for it. It is a gift. For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation, redemption, eternal life, the right to use his name, the power of the Spirit, all the promises and privileges as sons and daughters are only by grace through faith, always a gift. No one earns them. No one is better positioned than any other. Every person has the same righteousness, has the same privileges, has the same standing, for it is all of grace by faith, and it never changes. Amen? Amen. Now we can gain a bit more understanding from Paul when he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. All. Jew first and the Gentile second. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by his faith. So as we enter in and continue in this new year, Remember that examining yourself simply means finding the Christ in you. Amen. Finding the fact that you are one with him. That he's abiding in you and you're abiding in him. Amen. And the more you see Jesus and the more you see him, if there is any dross, it will fall off. Amen. It will fall off. And remember... You are as righteous as Jesus. You are as well as quick as Jesus is. And you have just as good a standing before God as any other child. You don't have to go chase it here or chase it there. It's right where you're sitting. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Father, we worship you. Not bad for just getting it in the morning, huh, Rick? <laughs> I love you, buddy. I really love you, man. And uh, we love you, Father. We're so grateful for all that you do and all that you've done and all that you've given. Jesus. Not by works of righteousness, but by your mercy. And now you've made us to be accepted with you. It's your inner core. <coughs> We give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name.